Thank you for tuning in to the First Gen Hunter Podcast, the go-to resource for those seeking to establish a foundation in hunting knowledge, skills, and tactics. Happy New Year, my friends. I hope your 2021 year is kicking off just swimmingly, and I hope that uh, there's been zero disappointments up to this point. It's only like, you know, Thursday into the year. Uh, What is today's date on Thursday? Technically, I'm talking to you on the 1st, so I guess that'll put it at six days from now, the 7th. So, on the 7th of January... I hope that you have had zero 2020 moments and that 2021 has truly been the grass which was greener on the other side. No, hasn't quite been that way? Okay, I guess your life is normal then. Anyways, just to make it better, we have brought in a guy who does something that is totally foreign to me as a deer hunter from the Midwest from the state of Iowa. We have brought in Mr. Brad Willie from White Mountain Buck Trackers, who hunts in primarily in New Hampshire, but also in Vermont and Maine. And he hunts the big woods. These huge, vast, timbered areas for the biggest buck he can track down. And yes, literally track down. And this episode, like I'm saying, is totally different than anything, than any hunting application I have ever done. I guess it's kind of similar to maybe following a blood trail or something like that. Or maybe if you're uh, trying to find a shed or something, you're trying to determine where a buck would have gone. But really, it's, it's so much beyond even that. This is a cool episode. You're going to want to listen in. Even if you don't ever plan to hunt in one of those states... The things that Brad talks about with how to follow buck tracks are going to make you a better hunter, guaranteed. Whether it be in those ways that I mentioned. Maybe you uh, get a hit on a, on a buck and you're trying to follow his blood trail and the blood kind of dies off a little bit. And now you got to start looking at some other things uh, like their actual uh, tracks. Or uh, maybe you got to look for a sign that a buck went through an area um, instead of just a doe. Whatever it is, you're going to get something from this episode that's going to make you a better deer hunter. Okay, So make sure you uh, stay tuned in, even if you don't plan to hunt New Hampshire someday. Also, there's a great pregame where I am way too optimistic about how long I'm going to ramble on with Brandon. And I say something to the effect of, well, we'll get you to your episode in 15 minutes. No, try more like, you know, like uh, probably 35 minutes or something like that. But uh, another great time where Brandon and I preview our hunting goals for the 2021 hunting season. And you can hear our plans, our hopes, our dreams, which undoubtedly will be changed in some way before they are realized. But that's okay. That's how New Year's work. New opportunities for both uh, the expected and the unexpected. And uh, that's what makes hunting great. It's filled with unexpected. So, without any further ado, let me get you on here to episode 36 
Big Woods Bucks with Brad Willie of White Mountain Buck Trackers. As I'm going to tell you in about 15 minutes, it's January 1, New Year, mm. 2021. Yes. Amen. And um, it's it's good to ring it in here by talking to my good buddy, Brandon. And uh, Brandon, you know, I was just thinking, I was, I was uh, driving back from after driving all over the Quad City area, not really all over the Quad City area, just over all over the city that I live in. Yeah. I was driving all over the place looking for road salt so that my wife can get up our driveway tomorrow because it's been sleeting and, you know, freezing rain all day and everything here. Yeah. We had a really steep driveway and everything. Well, while I was on my way back, I was like, you know what? I'm looking forward to the podcast. It's a little stressful right now because I got to, you know, get everything ready to go. I wasn't planning to waste all this time looking for road salt. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But. I was like, you know, Brandon and I, we just kind of have a unique history. I was this, you know, we I met him when I was a sophomore in high school. Then, then, uh, you know, we we kind of got to know each other, you know, just really kind of barely when mm -hmm. we were in college because you were on your way out as I was on my way in. Yep. And yep. Uh, you know, it's like, you know what? I'm just really grateful for how this all has worked out and we've become you know more than than acquaintances we've become friends through the whole process yeah. as uh, yeah. we've been doing the first gen hunter thing and mm -hmm. you know it's it's good to be able to talk to you as we go into 2021 a year that most people i think are going to be disappointed by not because yes. i'm you know some nostradamus here that is able to uh <laughs> you know predict the future or anything i think that's what he nostradamus did i don't know maybe it's just yes a, he foretold of of big events and things of that yeah, nature yeah 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 see i, I i'm on i'm going on the right track. thank you and <laughs> you good. know i'm not some nostradamus here i don't mm -hmm. know what's going to happen in 2021 but i do know that people are having really really high hopes that uh you know it's gonna be some magic potion for yes making life better the but bar has been set very high for 2021 <laughs> it, if, if 2021 doesn't deliver it's not gonna be 2021's fault so i feel i feel bad already for 2021 it's, that's that, right that bar is being set very high that's right that's right so um <laughs> yep i i uh I think it would be uh, very appropriate. Actually, I can't. I can't say this was my idea. This was your idea. Brandon thought it would be a good idea that we go through and uh, kind of talk about some of our hunting goals here in the new year. And mm -hmm. uh, you know, as we've talked about before, I think Brandon mentioned it in the last episode. For as rough of a year as 2020 was, the outdoors, specifically hunting, served as a mm -hmm. nice distraction from that reality and yes. uh so hopefully whatever 2021 is we can still look forward to hunting season to kind of uh numb the pain distract us whatever 
but yes, uh, yes. take that step away from uh, the the bigger problems in life to sit in a tree stand, or as we're going to hear in this episode, track a buck. But um, mm-hmm. first thing I want to talk about here, Brandon, what are yeah. your goals for wrapping up the 2020 hunting season mm. in 2021? Because we are in that late season, that January time frame here. What yes. are you hoping to make happen? Well, we are blessed to have, you know, a little bit of season left. You know, it's interesting and just even talking to our, our guest here in a little bit, you know, just hearing about the different timeframes of seasons across the country. And um, here in Delaware, we're blessed to have the season through January. And so um, definitely looking forward to you know, trying to uh, – bag a buck you know that sounds so cliche but you know trying to trying to get one down we've uh, had a lot of really uh, close opportunities you know we've we've team team members have put several down three down good ones down this year Um, but I just have not come close myself and uh, so we've you know basically been patterning them you know re basically interestingly actually we've had a couple uh, new shooters show up that we have not seen the entire year so they've just kind of navigated to our property from seems to be local state, you know, state ground. We've got a lot of state ground, public uh, ground right around us. Um, and so maybe through pressure, you know, otherwise they've just kind of migrated over to our area. So Very cool. kind of some really cool, like new bucks. So that's kind of been, been fun. Um, we've been enjoying the, the cell cams and uh, just have just been living off excitement with those and basically just trying to repattern them and and you know re-inventory essentially so um we've got we're blessed with actually um starting tomorrow we have five straight firearm weekends um four of which are you know you can use a bushmaster 450 new rifle that's you're able to use you know around the country in many many areas and then the last weekend of january um you get you're able to use muzzleloader so we've got basically five Saturdays and, and weeks worth of firearms opportunities. So looking wow. forward to having a chance to, to, you know, bag and, and I'd be tickled to, you know, to see another one of the team members get one as well. So we'll see if we can have a strong finish to, uh, to the 2020 season. What about you, Kent? Any, any final goals on your side of things, finishing up the season? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But before I get there, I have a yes. question for you. Yes. Last day of the season. Yeah. Last 15 minutes of light. Mm. You don't have a buck yet. <laughs> a doe comes out. Are you taking your yeah. third? You're taking your third doe? Yeah, I, I take a doe. I, I do it. Yeah. I, in fact, I might, I might do it even sooner than that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I would. I would. You know, it, just the chance to, you know, I mean, it, it's very interesting. You know, you, you talk to, like, here we are talking to someone tonight, you know, and um, people, you know, it is very easy to take for granted what we have. And um, sometimes it's, you know, sometimes you can get a little picky. You can, you know, in, in your effort to... Um, manage the deer and and do all that you know sometimes it can be easy to to forget just the enjoyment of taking a deer and what that provides and the memories and and all of that and so i think it's important to have a balance so you know if i if i get an opportunity at a at a big doe um you know here in these last few weeks i probably I, I, you know, I definitely, in fact, I might even take it earlier, you know, just in hopes that, you know, if I was, if I was out, you know, a day and maybe, you know, one of our guys was out the other day. And I mean, at, it was, I think it was 245. He had a, he had nine does come in on him. 
just all together, just a, just a, just a pack of those. Yeah. And, um, you know, if I had something like that happen, especially early, I'd probably go ahead and take it and then just, you know, sit out the, the evening seeing if, if a buck comes in. So yeah, we'll see, we'll see. But yeah, I mean, I, you know, I'm, I, it'd be nice to get a third one down this year and get a little bit more meat in the freezer and chance to share a little bit of it. So We'll Definitely. see. Hopefully, hopefully it intersects with uh, being being able to to be a wall decoration and some meat. But we'll see what happens. <laughs> no, that's <laughs> I like that answer. I would do the same for sure. Yeah, I would. Yep. You. I mean, uh, we've talked about this before. When when mm-hmm. you, when you take away take the time away from being at home, being with the yeah. wife and kids, and and uh, spending the money on going, at some point. You know, and I'm not saying this is for everybody by any means. You don't have to go by what yeah. I say, <laughs> but no. I almost feel like I owe it to them that when I do get a good opportunity like that, yeah. then yeah. I need to I need to take that. But and plus, it's just fun to you know. Oh yeah, it's fun to shoot deer. So yes, <laughs> there I said it. I said it. Hey, that's all good, man. Hey, it's it's <clears throat> it's, it's, it's fun. There's no, nothing wrong with that. That's right. That's right. Well, uh, for me, before. Uh, the the hunting calendar rolls over to 2021 since mm-hmm. we're still in 2020. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I am hoping to uh, fill either one of my Illinois archery tags. So I got a buck tag and a and an antlerless tag, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, I want to fill one of those. And I believe I have till January 17th, I think. But I oh, okay. There's some kind of deal too with a late season thing where if you have leftover tags for CWD management, mm-hmm. you can take an antlerless deer. So I don't know if that applies to my non-resident license or not. So I got to do some looking into that if I haven't if I haven't uh, filled it by then. But um, okay, yeah, I, I uh, my buddy uh, Lucas Fritch got uh, permission for him and me uh, to uh, hunt some uh, really good. Uh, some really good looking ground, so I'm, nice. I'm pretty hopeful that that we can make that happen. And it's a little nice. bit, a little bit closer, a lot of it closer <laughs> to to work and to home. So it's makes yeah. it, especially during this time of year when it gets dark so early. You know, for a occasional after work hunt or something. You know, it's just yeah. a, a, a more realistic opportunity. So yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm hoping uh, hoping that I can uh, fill one of those tags. I've pretty much accepted the fact that i'm not going to fill my um iowa archery tag just because i don't you know that that tag doesn't cost me as much money Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. um not near as much money as hunting out of state somewhere else so i really want to focus my efforts on that and and uh that just you know running out of weekends right so yeah right and um i would like to get my dogs out um oh there you go yeah at least one more time uh for an upland hunt um what's actually kind of interesting is and we talked about this briefly last time in our our last episode i shot my first quail and yes that's significant to me and really to anybody in Iowa, when you talk about, oh, yeah, I got a quail, you know, it's never like, oh, yeah, we got on a covey of quail and we shot our limit. I have never heard of anybody yeah. in Iowa hitting their limit on quail. I'm sure it's happened. You know, mm-hmm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sure people do. But um, it's pretty uncommon. And uh, what's odd, though, about this is, and if you go back to episode 19 where we talked to the Iowa upland biologist, the state upland biologist, 
uh, Mr. Todd Bogenschutz with the Iowa yes. DNR. Excellent guest. I mean, mm-hmm. such an educational episode. If you have not listened to it, go back and tune in. But um, we talked about quail are native to Iowa. Pheasants mm-hmm. are not. Pheasants are native to, like, uh, China. <laughs> mm-hmm, right. And, uh, but you see far more pheasants. You know, you flush far more pheasants. You hear far more pheasants in Iowa than what you do quail. Yet the quail season, quail population, this is a good example of, you know, what you see versus what's reality, um, isn't always the the same, isn't always the same perception. The quail season in Iowa actually goes about three weeks longer than the pheasant season, which I didn't know that until I was just double-checking regs the other day. So I might even, yeah, I might even try and, uh, you know, head down to the southern part of the state where there's a little bit better... Um, quail density, and maybe yeah. see if I can get on some public ground and get the dogs out and hunt. But well, dude, that's I mean that's a blessing for you because you know I know growing up, like I mean I would always hear stories um, from my dad. You know when he was a, a you know a young boy and and you know teenager, and he would I mean there was just quail everywhere in Delaware to hunt. And that's he would so shoot cool. a lot of quail, a lot of rabbits, and you know now you really can't find you, you know we got a lot of squirrels, we got a lot of you know some some small game, but I mean you know especially on the quail side of things, you it's very hard. In fact, when I was growing up, you know we actually we actually went, believe it or not, my my dad actually bought like a hundred quail. And, hmm. um, we, it was, it was actually a lot of fun. We, uh, you know, took them out, we released them in the, in, you know, some private property that we had and, um, basically had a great season. I mean, it was fun. Just, you know, we released them, um, you know, let them just kind of get acquainted with the area for a while and then and just had fun, you know, we, and we, yeah. I mean, we didn't have, we didn't have a dog, we didn't, you know, we just kind of went through and, um, you know, they, they would congregate in different por- you know, portions of the woods that, you know, kind of got a little thicker and whatnot. And we would, you know, put out, you know, some feed for them and just kind of try to facilitate as, as realistic of a, uh, you know, you almost, it wasn't even really a preserve hunt in the sense that it's not, it's not as if the, they were placed and then were, you know, just kind of kicking yeah. them up with dogs. I mean, it was just, Hey, here's, <laughs> if you fly out, you fly out. I mean, we're just releasing <laughs> right. in here and I mean, it is what it is. And we, it was a lot of fun. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I can only imagine, you know, how, how awesome it would be to, to be out and actually, you know, get, get them in the wild. So, I mean, it's pretty cool to have that experience and pretty awesome that you were able to you know enjoy that. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I have, uh, um, yeah, I have totally changed my, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, Oh, it would be nice to, to now it's kind of like you almost have a hunger for it. You know what I mean? Like it was oh, so yeah. much fun that, right. that, um, you know, I, I want to do some, some more specific quail hunting in the future. I, I just think it's, yeah. a, you know, it's a really unique challenge and my dogs, they, they love it. I mean, they're, they, yeah. uh, they get super birdie on them, maybe even oh, almost yeah. a little more, more birdie on the quail than they do with, uh, with pheasants. But I mean, Very they, cool. they, they love, they love hunting pheasants too, but yeah. But, um, no, yeah, so I, I want to get them out one more time for that. And then yep. um, another thing that I actually have a lot of interest in, mm-hmm. I get to having too many interests, um, <laughs> is I would, uh, the rabbit season in Iowa, yeah. I believe, yeah. goes till the end of February. So that would actually be, I think, the longest hunting season. I know there's some interesting dates in there with, like, uh, crow and stuff like that. But Yeah, yeah. Um, 
not that I have anything against crow hunting. I just don't have a lot of interest there. But um, yeah. I would I would kind of like to get out. I, a friend of mine, good friend of mine, uh, who just moved out to Nevada um, from okay. Iowa. And it was kind of one of those things like, uh, I need to get rid of some stuff because I'm going a long ways. And uh, he had some snowshoes, and he gave me his snowshoes. And oh, cool. um, I would kind of like to get out on some snowshoes. We definitely have enough snow and ice now. We just got dumped on uh, yeah. uh, earlier this week and then again today. And I think it's probably even still snowing and sleeting right now. But uh, I'd yeah. kind of like to get out on the snowshoes and chase after some cottontails. Oh, uh, man, yeah. Maybe in like... Uh, you know, late January or, or February. But that brings us then to the official 2021 mm. calendar. And yeah. the first thing you got to start with, shed season, man. Are you going to get mm. out this year? I Yes, I definitely am. I, I mean, you know, definitely looking forward to enjoying some you know, some time just with the family, you know, initially for, uh, you know, February and March, um, just cause you know, it's a long season. I've tried to be balanced this year, but you know, it's, it's it, it, with every passing year too, you know, the kids get more into it, you know, and yeah. you have more fun as a family. So looking forward to more of that as the kids get older, um, you know, cause I mean, it, there was a time where my wife and I would go out together, but you know, now with the kids, you know, she's so busy with that. So looking forward to, as the time gets, you know, goes on for us all enjoying it more together as a family. Sure. But, um, kind of one of my goals is kind of tied with uh, the, the shed hunting and, you know, kind of kind of simultaneously start preparing um, early for the food plots for next year. So, I mean, we've got to mm, kind of yeah. got a plan already, you know, simultaneously to be um, brush hogging and, and, you know, preparing things to, to, you know, be sprayed, you know, in the early spring um, to then be planted. So, I mean, hopefully – um, February, March, you know, doing some of that, you know, preparatory work and then doing some shed hunting as well. You know, we just, the other day we were out actually, um, tracking a deer that, that a friend had shot, um, unfortunately back a little bit. Uh, and unfortunately we were not able to find the deer. I mean, it was kind of an interesting story. We were out there, we were actually tracking the, you know, stomach contents for a little bit. Um, and just when we thought we were, well, I guess we can't, I guess we're not going to find it. I mean, it, this kid, you not look down and I was like, I'm standing right on blood. And so, you know, we ended up tracking this deer for like another 150 yards, the blood. And it was apparent that the deer was still actively bleeding. Like we, we, yeah. the deer was, was not down. I mean, we had given it about 15 hours wow. um, from the time it had been shot. And, um, we eventually kicked, we're not really sure if it was the deer or not. I mean, it was, it was bedded, but within like 20 yards, we kicked it up and uh, ultimately, we lost the blood trail. And but interestingly enough, during that same time, we found a, a nine point, you know, uh, head. You know, it was in good condition. We found another buck um, that we're pretty sure was one of our team members' uh, bucks from November that he hmm. had taken just a, an amazing. 220 yard shot with a with a bushmaster and um had found blood had good blood for like 100 yards and it just cut off mm. and um it was found i mean probably i mean within maybe within 50 yards of of where you know where it they they kind of last were so uh it was it was kind of sad to to find that but at the same time also you know some closure so that was kind of neat yeah. so Really good area to look for sheds back in that, you know, great bedding area, tight to a food source. So looking forward to doing that. So that's kind of kind of on the list there. How about you? You're looking fine. No, you're you know, you're you're excited about doing some shed hunting. Oh yeah, man. That will be that'll be the thing that either keeps me from 
I mean, for sure I'm going to hunt through um, deer season in Illinois. But mm-hmm. um, if something keeps me from those quail plans and those uh, those uh, rabbit hunting plans, it'll be shed hunting. Yes. I, yes. I am a shed nut. I'm not, I'm not a great shed hunter by any means, you know, (laughs) I'm probably slightly, slightly better than, than your average person out wandering, wandering around aimlessly, but, um, (laughs) not even maybe better than your average shed hunter, (laughs) but, um, uh, I just love shed hunting, man. I love, I love, uh, the thinking side of it, the scouting side Mm -hmm. of it, the, Mm -hmm. the intel you learn for next hunting season, the, the, um, the dreams. Yeah. The just being out, being out Mm -hmm. in nature and the, you know, and then when, when you do spot an antler, oh man, that's just, oh yeah, that's awesome. That's an awesome feeling. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah. You, you feel like you won the lottery, you could come up on one. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, it's like, it's almost like a way to get another buck. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. and, uh, and the fact that, you know, that most likely you will have a chance to get that buck next year, you know, because he shed his antlers. He'll probably be around the the following year. Um, not that bucks, you know, never die after they shed, but you know, there's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, and, And it's truly, it's it's like it's a pure thing, you know, because, you know, there, we've talked about it before. I think it was episode number four we did called The Hunter's Dilemma, where mm-hmm. there is that side of it, you know, that, that little bit of sadness, that little bit of, you know, remorse that you feel when you pull mm-hmm. the trigger on an animal and, you know, you you, you end it, you know. Yeah. You, you don't have that with shed hunting. It's, it, yeah, you know, right. It's a natural, normal process for those bucks to drop their antlers and they're just waiting out there you know for this you know grown-up uh easter egg hunt <laughs> yeah <laughs> to go right. out and, it's true. and uh find those things and yeah mm-hmm. I think it, and the fact that each buck drops too i think it's cool too you know that's yeah right you know the chance of matching them up or yeah that's that's pretty well, cool that's that's one thing that i've always enjoyed about you know and, and I, I do love turkey hunting as well but you know with deer hunting you know you've got every buck truly is unique and yeah. you know especially when they drop those antlers i mean it how cool is it for you know you've seen guys and even us you know getting a shed and then you know really identifying that buck the next year maybe you already you know had the buck inventory and you're like oh man this is that buck you know even the other day when uh when we just found the the nine point I, I mean, immediately I was like, I know exactly what deer this is. You know, I, I, yeah. and we had lost sight of him two years ago. We had I mean, these nice, tight nine pointer would have been beautiful the following year. A um, couple guys had chances at him, but, you know, passed him, you know, in hopes that he would make it to the next year and something, you know, something got him. I mean, whether maybe it was a state hunter that, you know, ended up shooting him. Then he ran back on our property. Who knows? I mean, no one knows. But I mean, it's pretty cool to be able to just see that rack and almost instantly. Oh, yeah, I know exactly what deer that is. So, yeah, I mean, it's pretty cool to really kind of almost develop a relationship, you know, with with the yeah. deer and. And, and enjoy that, you know, that's part of the fun. Yeah. My, my dream is to one day kill a buck that I have sheds for, you know, yeah, right. to me, that's, yeah. that's like one of those, I don't know. That's like one of those next level mm-hmm. and part of it's luck. I just wrote an article yeah. about shed hunting and one of my points yeah. was luck is part of it. There's no question about it. You know, you can, yep. you can scour the most prime ground in the world, not find a thing and then see something laying in the middle of the sh- 
the striped hashes on the highway yes. on your way home, you know, <laughs> right. yeah. it's, it, there's, there's definitely an element of luck to it. But that being said, I do think that it, it is kind of a, I don't know, it's kind of like what you're talking about where you spotted that deadhead and you knew exactly which buck mm-hmm. that was from your scouting and surveillance with your cameras and stuff. That's, that's next level stuff. I mean, yeah. And, and being yeah. able to, even just find one side, you know, there's some oh, guys, yeah. I think the, I think the picture that I used from Cole Young with his buck that he killed last year, yes. he had, what was it, like four or five sheds to that one yeah. buck. That's amazing. Yeah. I think it was a seven-year-old buck he killed. Um, yeah. And he had, he had that many sheds from that same buck. I mean, that's next level stuff to, to be able oh, yeah. to, to, you know, keep tabs on a, on a mature deer, on a wild animal like that. I mean, that's, yep. that's pretty stinking cool if you ask me. Yeah. But, but yeah, so that's my, you know, my shed plans, I guess, as far as what am I hoping to do? I'm hoping to, mm-hmm. to, um, uh, actually spend quite a bit of time looking in Illinois. Um, just, nice. just where I live, uh, population density is a lot lower on the, mm-hmm. Illinois side, and I have uh, some really generous friends over there that uh, will give you know give me permission to to uh, look on their private ground and yeah and uh, you know f- hopefully find a, a bunch of sheds. So yeah, yeah man, that's that's, awesome. uh, that's kind of the plan there, and like you said, hopefully be able to include the family in on that, and and um, yeah, I'm also planning to go on a shed hunt with Chris Dyer, which will you know basically be uh, like oh, yeah. Uh, getting you know that's like getting a uh 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 free throw lesson from uh michael jordan yeah i mean it's like Class will be in session <laughs> that's right yeah yeah uh, man 105 sheds one one spring that is just that's just i can't even fathom that <laughs> but, that is absurd yeah 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 i mean the the guy the guy throws back sheds that are bigger than my biggest i mean it's just yeah it's yeah. crazy but anyways We'll get him on here. We'll get him to talk to yeah. us about shed hunting at some point. Yes. Let's go on to the next thing. You just mentioned it there. And something that Delaware is known for. Mm-hmm. Turkeys. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very excited. Very excited for that. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you know, I've been up, you know, mentoring a few guys and taking them for the first hunts in one night. Mm-hmm. And we've seen, you know, a dozen turkeys. I mean, the, the one day, you know, I, I had a, had a, you know, my pastor's son out and I mean, it was, you would have thought it was springtime. I mean, they were just gobbling. <laughs> I mean, gobbling like it was, you know, April, May. I mean, and I, it was the first That's time awesome. actually I'd ever heard that much gobbling in the fall like that. And so it was, it was pretty neat. And I mean, then we had a dozen of them, you know, walk right by us. I mean, so it was, it was pretty cool to, to see just enemy I mean, on our trail cams, you know, they're just everywhere. So, I mean, we're definitely, getting excited about, you know, just a great way to, it, it kind of works out well because, you know, that's right around the time where you want to start doing some management on the food plots. Yeah. And so it's a great time to, you know, get them killed. You know, if you, if you've got to kill some stuff off, you know, it, everything's coming back, uh, the temperatures are warming up. So you're able to, to get that done and then get some initial planning in. If you're wanting to get that, that springtime planning, you know, right around May. in. so, I mean, we're excited about that. Give us an opportunity to do that. And then, you know, from there, we'll be basically right into, on our side of things, you know, the the, the the fishing side of things. So we'll be jumping into, you know, the bass fishing and yeah. and 
looking forward to that. So, and then flounder fishing and, you know, enjoying that freshwater, saltwater side of things. So, man, I mean, it's, it, you know, there's, there's pretty much always a little something to enjoy, which is good. You, you know, you know how to twist that knife on that saltwater fishing, man. <laughs> I was thinking that. I was, I, thinking was that. <laughs> I was listening to one of our old episodes the other day, and yep. in our pregame, you were talking about how you were like, "Oh yeah, it's been really great." You know, I got out, and uh, I think you, I think you said it was uh, your buddy that you, it was Haas and Haas outdoors. Yeah, and you're like, yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. you're like, we got out, we were just catching flounder, and then we saw the sand tiger go after this flounder. As we yeah, really, yeah. I'm like. <laughs> Oh man, that sounds yeah, like so yeah. much fun. So it's, I'm, I'm definitely going to just incredible. show up at your doorstep one of these times with a fishing pole dude, and be like, "Dude, always take me welcome, to man. take me to the oh, ocean." <laughs> Would love it, man. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a special thing. I mean, I love, you know, I love going. You know, if, if man, if I could get on a trip to go 100 miles out, I'd do it. You know, I love being out there. I love being out on the open water. Um, it's never bothered me. I really enjoy it. And so, you know, we've been with the group of guys that we have here, you know, we've kind of gotten all really close and we've been trying to do for a while, we would do pheasant hunts. And then, you know, we've kind of now transitioned to doing some, uh, you know, we were going to do a duck hunt, but yeah, it kind of fell through. So we ended up doing a a deep sea trip. So we try, we try to do something to kind of get the group together, especially because, you know, you go through that lull where, you know, you've got a couple months, you know, before turkey season, and then not as many guys are into turkey hunting as deer hunting, which is understandable, but then, you know, it's kind of nice to reconnect in the uh, spring and summer with a a deep sea trip to kind of get things kindled back up. So always something fun to get into and enjoy. And like I said, looking forward to, you know, as the kids get a little older, just getting them more and more into it, you know, it's cool to see them showing an interest and, you know, we'll be exciting to continue to foster that as we move forward. Yeah, definitely, for sure. Now, yeah. on your side of things with turkey hunting, are you, are you planning on? Are you planning on getting after them out in your area? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to try to get out again this year. Um, I, I went out for the first time turkey hunting last year, and yes, uh, didn't see a thing. <laughs> I think mm-hmm. I, I think I heard. <laughs> I think I might have heard one gobble. Um, okay, but uh, you know, because I am so new to that. I yeah. really am going to have to work hard to get it figured out. Now, I have I have one uh private piece of ground that I want to ask for permission on. I've had permission to shed hunt on it. Okay. Yeah. And um there's turkeys there, man. I've seen nice. them. I've uh I think I've I can't remember if I saw any feathers on the ground, but I've definitely seen okay. turkeys and yeah. um I I know from other people who've spent some time out there that they've been interested in turkey hunting there. So I'm going to try and see if I can't uh, get some permission to hunt there. And then uh, there's a public piece of ground that um, I know very little about turkey hunting, like I just said. But I feel like this place could be pretty good. I didn't see any. I I have only deer hunted there once. But just kind of like the terrain that was there yeah the proximity to food the proximity to woody cover which if i'm not mistaken turkeys kind of like having those forested areas to to yeah. roost oh, yeah. in mm-hmm. and yep but then they also kind of like those green meadowy type areas mm-hmm. to oh, yeah. come out and peck around in and so yeah i think i think i may have found a good uh turkey spot so i'm gonna maybe try that and um, that's awesome man yeah the only thing hey, is it can only go up this year man dude that's I mean, right hey, you're, yeah it's good <laughs> that's right that's right so i'm gonna try and 
try and get out there again for turkeys and and uh, see if I can't get a gobbler on the ground. I have this. I have this. Ever since I heard this uh, described, I have this strong desire to try turkey nuggets. Mm. Somebody uh, said that Sounds when they tasty. shoot a turkey, like they just they cut everything into nuggets. Now I don't think I'd, I'd cut everything into nuggets, but I definitely do some of it into yeah. these turkey nuggets, and then they deep fry them or whatever. So yeah, yeah, I, awesome. I kind of have some uh, some dreams and aspirations there, I guess you could say. But that's really cool. Good. Yeah. Well, yeah. how's it how's it looking for you then into the into the summer? Why not? Are you you have any specific plans with fishing and whatnot? What are you thinking? Yeah, you know, I'm kind of becoming a trout snob a little bit. You nice. Know? <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, I just love trout fishing. I, I I have talked about before. You know, that was that was something that you know I I I always loved the outdoors and. You know, now that I teach at the school that I used to attend, it's been reinforced to me more than ever that it is a deer hunting culture uh, where I teach, which is very cool. Very cool. Yeah. But, um, you know, growing up not hunting, I didn't really have that to talk about, you know, with the other you know, my peers and stuff, classmates, stuff like that, you know, which there's nothing wrong with that. Right. But one thing that I had on pretty much anyone else was that, uh, you know, several times growing up, my dad took me and my brothers, uh, out to, um, Montana and, uh, we'd go on this wilderness backpacking trip where we, you know, you know, be hiking, several miles in the middle of the bush and, and awesome. you know, and, uh, you know, fishing for trout all week. And so I've always kind of had this love for trout fishing and Iowa yeah. has just a fantastic, uh, trout fishing program. And, um, I, every year, um, it's kind of been our tradition here last few years. Um, uh, I think this will maybe be our fourth year in a row that we will have done it. My wife Very and I cool. have, uh, yeah, kind of. It's not necessarily right on our anniversary, but mm-hmm. um, we like to go up to northern northeast Iowa, which is kind of trout country. It's an area known as the Driftless area, and yeah. uh, hopefully do our uh, uh, trout, trout trip this summer. And then, nice. um, you know, I still like to hit farm ponds though and stuff. And I, you know, I yeah. was I was just a unique place to fish because. It's bookended by the two biggest rivers in the United States, right? You got the Mississippi on the east, you got yeah. Missouri on the west. And I have fished very little in the Mississippi, which is just, I mean, you know, right out my back door pretty much. Yeah, right. But, you know, there's not really, there's very few natural lakes. There's some natural lakes in the northwest part of the state. Mm-hmm. And so I've gone up there and, you know, done, done some fishing up there, but around here, if you have a lake, it's probably a reservoir. And, yeah. and so what you do have though, is a lot of what we call farm ponds, you know, farmers have just put these, these ponds in probably because they just, you know, they enjoy wetting a line from time to time, but also some of them, you know, like cows, you know, kind of pasture around them and stuff like that. And yeah. And uh, you you can catch some really nice bass and crappie and bluegill out of these uh, farm ponds, or isn't sometimes even oh, cat, yeah. channel catfish. And so oh yeah, sure. So uh, you know I'll probably do a little bit of that too. But 
yeah, that'll probably be my that, and you know, of course, deer scouting stuff. You know, getting. I'm I'm one of those guys who likes to run summer cameras just because I like to run summer cameras. <laughs> oh sure, yeah, you know, yeah, and and uh, I'm gonna try. Actually, you talked about it a little bit doing your deer prep during uh, shed season. I'm gonna actually gonna yes. try to do some of that too. You know, trimming some stuff, hanging some stands, just to beat the heat. You know, yeah, and, and uh, get out there when it, when things are still a little fresh as far as sign goes. And, yeah, you know, maybe do some of that too. So definitely what about um what's your what's your hopes and dreams for uh when we get to the fall 2021 are we looking too far oh, ahead man. oh no no i'm it's never too far ahead when you're talking about the next deer season you know yeah. i mean it's just yep. it, i mean honestly i would love to you know would love to get some early season dove hunting in you know i know we talked about mm, you know yeah. just expanding the horizon a little bit and you know we've got a great property for that and um, I think we're going to have another property this next year for our hunting club, which is really cool. So, I mean, it, it should, should be some good opportunity there. Um, you know, definitely we'll be, you know, having the cell cams running and, um, this, this next year, actually, we just really in particular love the years when there's beans on the properties and we we actually should have beans on all four of our properties this next oh, year. Nice. So, Really excited about that. Um, seems like they're easier to pattern early season. They're less nocturnal um, for whatever reason, you know, and, and there could be a lot of reasons, but just it just seems like that's the case here. Um, so already really excited about that. Um, definitely, you know, June, July, we'll be getting out the the mineral sites, starting the mineral sites, um, you know, just to promote, you know, the, the, the good antler development and health of the deer herd. So uh, makes for great trail cam pictures as well. So kind of should be a great start to the to the fall and then just going to sure. kind of be very cautious with hunting the wind right with early season and and some food plots we have kind of big dreams with what we want to do with our food plots this next year so we're going to be trying to be very cautious with exactly how we go about you know putting pressure on them and being careful so that's smart. that's i mean i'm i'm already Already, any any time you have a you have a bean year, you're just super excited. But man, with all four kind of converging this year, I mean, man, it's it's going to be an awesome it's going to be an awesome fall of 2021. I have a good feeling about it. Yeah, sounds like it. Sounds like a sounds like a uh, really busy setup to that. Yes, yeah. I mean, just you know, a lot of lot that goes into it, and probably going to try to. You know, of course, in September, I mean, unless it's the absolute perfect wind, you know, we'll 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 stay out of places because it just you're trying not to, you know, blow them off the property, trying to take advantage of some of those early opportunities. Um, now, what about you? What is the what does the fall look like for your side of things? Well, I'm going to try and uh, go by the motto. Less is more. <laughs> mm, that's good. That's good. Um, not that I. You know, I don't think I hunted too much. I, I haven't gotten that feedback from my wife or anything like that. But yeah, there were just a lot of times I went out, and I think it was—it's because I'm learning. You know, this is the listeners know. You know, this is my first year of really hitting it hard with bow hunting, and yeah. um, that's what a lot of that was. It was exploration. You know, you're trying oh, to. Yeah. But now that I have that year under my belt, I felt like I learned a ton. I still have so much to learn so much to learn. yeah but yeah. i feel like i've learned enough now to how just deer are during that time of the year that i think i'll be able to be a little bit more choosy with when i go hunting and um you know i think one full day in the stand 
where you have all of your obligations totally taken care of, you know, with kids and, and, you know, work or whatever, everything's Mm -hmm. taken care of for that one day where you can spend all day in the stand. I think that one day on a, on a good chosen day, weather wise and, and just deer biology wise, you know, being close to the rut is worth 10 yeah. Two hours, super busy, got to get caught up on work when I get home, right after work hunts. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, right. I just, yeah, you're well said. I think you're going to, your chances of seeing deer a lot higher, your chances of, you know, getting into a good position where, you know, you can make something happen are a lot better. You're not so desperate and urgent feeling, you know, the whole time. You're not yeah. spending all the time washing your clothes and mm-hmm. ozone treating your clothes and everything. And so yep. I think I'm really going to try to prioritize my schedule around, you know, kind of both those things, you know, uh, good opportunities as far as weather goes, but also just what's going on in the deer calendar. And, yeah. um, you know, try to less is more, I guess, is what I'm going to yeah. try to do. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to try and uh, do a much better job hunting the rut and, prioritizing where i spend that time and yeah and uh and you know what though honestly with everything that went down in october for me and of course you know that Mm -hmm. painful saga um i feel like that made me a much better october hunter and so yeah i'm actually kind of hoping that i'll have filled my archery tag by november you know i'm not not saying that that's gonna happen or anything but but uh if i if i can apply what i learned you know i think there's probably a a decent chance there so yeah well i mean it's cool to see you know to already envision ways that you're growing and learning going into the next year so that's pretty awesome yeah yeah for sure well man we got see here we got deer oh you know, this one can kind of go together for both of us because I know you. Yeah. I can't really say what are your upland plans for next year, Brandon, yeah. because that doesn't isn't really a thing too much there in Delaware right yeah. now, unfortunately. unfortunately. Yeah, but this is this is probably a good way to end this pregame that went way longer than we planned, but that's how it always is. We have, that's too, good. We have yeah. too much fun. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, my biggest goal is to get a hunt fish life first gen hunter hunting trip nailed down yes sealed yep yep, Mm. made happen and i i would kind of like it i mean it'd be sweet to do a deer trip but i think it would be i don't know i think it'd be really cool to do an upland trip so maybe we can talk to uh our buddy jeff boer from uh um wild dakota tv you know maybe he can he can point us in the right direction or something out in south dakota or uh maybe maybe who knows maybe we'll just have somebody else on here from south dakota who who uh you know might also be able to point us in the right direction but i think it'd be pretty cool to go out to south dakota or even up to north dakota and uh, absolutely you know maybe hunt up there but i think it'd be a lot of fun to do a trip together and so hopefully the promise of 2021 that so many people are overhyping. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. We'll live up to its overhypedness. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I saw this, I saw this funny meme that it was kind of, it was kind of like one of those, uh, depressing, depressingly funny memes. Uh, it was, uh, 
Lieutenant Dan. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when he's uh, sitting there with all the confetti in his uh, long overgrown hair and, uh, uh, you know, during the New Year's Eve party or whatever, and he's like just frowning. And somebody's like, me, this is me when I hear everyone talking about how uh, 2021 is going to be so much better than 2020. <laughs> and I know what reality is or whatever. So, you know, like Brandon said, Maybe we are setting ourselves up for failure here a little bit by overhyping. <laughs> hey, but it's 20... good to dream big, you know. That's good right. To dream big. And our big <laughs> and our big dream is a uh, is a uh, first gen hunter and yes. uh, hunt fish life uh, uh, road trip of some sort for hunting. So yes, yes. Well, my friend, we better let the listeners get on to this episode. And it is a dandy. I think you guys yes. are gonna. Uh, it, it might even be your favorite episode. You are gonna. If you are, if you are a Midwestern hunter, if you are a Southern hunter, I suppose if you're like our buddies up there with Fly True Productions or Mark Norquist uh, up there in Minnesota or Joe Shed, um, you know they they kind of do this too. I think up there, but yeah, pretty much anywhere else though, guys. I'm here to tell you, this is outside the box. This is a totally. Yeah different way of hunting a totally different yeah. tradition and brandon and i Chance are yes mm -hmm. yes for sure and brandon and i are thoroughly intrigued and we think you will be too so mm -hmm. without any further ado we'll do a tip of the day and uh, then we'll get you on to episode 36 of the first gen hunter podcast thanks for tuning in guys All right, everybody, I'm going to give you your tip of the day today. Sorry, you don't get Brandon, but you get to hear a lot of Brandon on this episode anyways, so I think it'll be okay. Plus, I got a really good tip for you, and it has to do with hunting deer in the late season. Now, deer get kind of weird in the late season. What do I mean by that? Well, during the summer months, almost every property that normally has deer on it at some point in the year for a majority of the hours of any given day so we're talking like we'll say april through uh, maybe november okay almost every property that has that edge habitat that deer like and a food source of some sort and maybe just enough bedding to uh, uh you know have a handful of deer staying on that property there's going to be deer on that property pretty much every single day during that window of time from April through November. But that's not always going to be true once the late season rolls around. Now, what's interesting is this is very much so dependent upon where you're at. Here in Iowa, where I am, deer have no trouble finding a food source during the late season because you know that's basically uh, almost the entire surface area of our state is a food source all these uh, harvested grain fields there's a lot of leftover kernels of corn and soybeans on the ground that these deer can find so food isn't typically a big limiting factor aside from the fact that a uh, your farm that you have permission to hunt got tilled for fall tilling during the the um, you know late season time frame there, right before the ground starts to freeze, uh, that's bad. 
that probably means there won't be hardly any deer on your property, if any at all. Uh, so at that point, you got to start looking for permission elsewhere. Or you maybe, for some reason, uh, the farmer couldn't get out in time, or, or maybe you purchased a couple acres of corn from the farmer and asked him to leave them standing. If you have a farm that has some standing corn or standing soybeans, something that's going to be sticking up out of the snow, that could also bring in an abnormal amount of deer based on food to your property. Okay, so aside from that, here in the Midwest, in an in or in any agricultural state for that matter, food is probably not going to be your your big determining factor. What is, and again, especially here in Iowa where there's very little timber cover, is going to be good thermal cover. Uh, hardwood forests a lot of times do not hold a lot of deer in the wintertime just because all those good high insulation value uh, ground level uh, shrubby plants they get shaded out during the growing season and they never really get get started on the forest floor and so you basically have this this wide open forest floor and uh, not much for breaking the wind not much for uh, uh, insulating the deer as they're bedded and so they're going to seek out other areas. The areas you're going to want to start looking for then are going to be your good thermal areas like cedar uh, cedar groves or um, pine groves or even fir trees okay look for those types of trees that have a lot of insulation value that have branches that go almost all the way down to the ground and can really shield these deer from the wind and help them kind of hold their body heat close to them and basically just make it easier to stay warm but let's say you do have one of those places okay here's where we get to the other part of the tip Let's say you do have one of those places. Maybe you have this, this nice cedar grove, and you get in there, you're very careful with your axis, you're not making a lot of noise, all that. You get set up, first light rolls around, then uh, you don't see anything, then uh, maybe you see a deer way off in the distance as another hour goes by, and then eventually you get to that point where it's like, all right, I'm freezing to death, I need to go and have some lunch or something like that and come back later. Well. If you're at that point and you really haven't seen any deer, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're not using that area that you were in. I mean, you chose it for a reason, right? But for whatever reason, they probably aren't using it that day. Maybe there was uh, some unknown event that took place right before you got there, like the neighbor dog ran through the through the cedar grove, or maybe... Um, Maybe there's a uh, better food source uh, that you didn't know about on a different part of the property. Whatever it is, consider switching up either how you're hunting that feature or just go to a different feature altogether. The deer are somewhere. They didn't just disappear. You gotta, if it's a big property that you have access to, then they're probably gonna be somewhere else on that property. If not, they might be on a neighbor's and you might have to get permission or you might just have to go drive to a different area that um, uh, has um, some, of the, some of the better late season cover or something like that. Um, so the point is try to, if you aren't seeing many deer, switch it up don't just keep doing the same old thing just because you know one year you happen to see a bunch of deer there okay those things change those patterns change a little bit and uh just doing a little switch up might actually 
all of a sudden clue you in on, oh, this is where the deer have been all day. Okay, so don't be afraid to switch that up in between your, your different sits in the late season to try and really locate where those deer are uh, congregating, uh, the food source that they're like, they like, and the thermal cover that they like. You can kind of crack the code on those things. You can really get on a lot of deer and some really nice bucks uh, during this late season time frame. So hope that's helpful to you as you wrap it up your deer season. Now let's get into episode 36 with Mr. Brad Willie of White Mountain Buck Trackers. Well, it's 2021 officially as of today, and just like we hoped that just that simple flipping of one page of the calendar and all of our worries, stresses, anxieties flipped with it. Actually, they didn't. We got a huge ice storm here today, and I've uh, been running a little helter-skelter this evening because I had to shovel out our, uh, you know, 45-degree angle driveway for my wife, and it was like a sheet of ice, and I had to run all over the area looking for salt to throw on the driveway so she could actually oh, co- co- come home in the morning. So mm. all that to say, it's feeling a little bit like New Hampshire here in Iowa today. Mm-mm. And I specifically call out New Hampshire, not because it is the only wintry state here in the continental United States of America, but Mm -hmm. because New Hampshire is the main topic tonight. That's right. We're talking to a guy, a guy named Mr. Brad Willie of White Mountain Buck Trackers from the great state of New Hampshire, the Granite State. And he is going to talk to us how about how to kill a buck in a totally different way <laughs> than what <laughs> Brandon, even Brandon over there on the East coast with, with Brad, yeah. but uh, definitely much more like what I do for hunting here in Iowa. Brad though is a, on a totally different planet as far as it goes with how he hunts compared to Brandon in my way and probably most likely your way if you're uh, tuning into this uh, because New England is a totally different place than uh, the Midwest or Delaware or mm-hmm. uh, much of the South or even uh, of course our the Western states it's just it's kind of its own unique thing and you got to adjust to what to what it is that is uh, available to you up there. So I'm really excited for this one. And uh, Brandon knows this, but uh, the listeners may not. My uh, in-laws are from New Hampshire. And, of course, mm-hmm. you know, you get out there often enough, and you're like, hmm, wonder where the deer are. And yeah. uh, you start kind of thinking about maybe a possible future hunting trip. So I got to say, this one's a little bit selfish. <laughs> At least I admit it, though, right? But, uh, Brad, thank you so much for coming on the show tonight and uh, carving some time out of your super busy and kind of chaotic schedule uh, that you have. So we really appreciate that. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And uh, not only do we appreciate your generosity with your time, but you uh, served our country 
as a veteran of the U.S. Army. And so uh, we're, of course, uh, forever indebted to you for that and, and very grateful and, and thankful for your sacrifices there. And then also to your local community as a law enforcement officer, uh, just a, a, a great guy and, you know, somebody who truly makes our country a better place to be. So thank you very much for your generosity and, and service to to not only just Brandon and me tonight on the podcast, but but to every listener uh, joining in. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. Well, we better get down to business here because Brad's got to get off to work soon. And uh, <laughs> I definitely don't want to miss out on any of the, uh, the good content that I have. Uh, <laughs> all these good questions I have lined up for Brad tonight. But I think first, yeah, no I think first of all, we kind of need to give the listeners a good picture of what New Hampshire is like. And so... We'll kind of start here with a hunting, uh, uh, hunting related question, then kind of work our way out to just general New Hampshire landscape stuff and and the way yeah, things sure. are there. But can you just kind of give us a rundown of what deer season looks like in New Hampshire, and then what part of deer season is going on right now? All right, so. Let me skip to the end really quick. There's no deer season going on right now. Wow. That is how, that is how wow. it is. Whoa. Wow. Yeah. It is there and it's gone in a flash. Wow. So, is, wow. Is the reason for that uh, just because it becomes too difficult to hunt there this time of year? Or is it purely like a, it's, that's a population count and they know that based on yearly averages, their their goals for how many deer are harvested have already been met by this time of year? Well, I, I think what it is, is it's, it's the weather. Okay. Yeah. In, in New England, especially Northern uh, New England, uh, your deer are going to yard up in the wintertime. And because of the snow and the lack of food, they need to rest. Hmm. You know, you know, those bucks are, are rutting so hard and they wear themselves down, you know, They'll, they'll just die, you know. Yeah. Fortunately, this year we haven't had a lot of snow right off, and those those bucks are able to replenish themselves pretty good, you know. But usually, I mean, come Thanksgiving, I think in the past couple of years, I mean, we got dumped with snow and then a little bit of rain, and then it froze right up, mm. and that's when the the starvation kicks in. So, mm. yeah. So that's when it's really tough, but this year they're uh, they're they're going to recover pretty good. So nice. But but to uh, to answer your question, it does it does start technically September fifteenth for bow season. Okay. Yep. So that that you know you can bow hunt you know through September fifteenth to December fifteenth. Okay. In in New Hampshire. Okay, rifle, sure. or excuse me, muzzleloader season will start November 1st or October 31st. These days aren't set in stone. It's just depending mm-hmm. on the calendar every year. Yeah. So they're plus or minus one or two days, you know. So muzzleloader season this year started at uh, October 31st. And then rifle season kicks in this year was at November 11th. And that goes to, that went to December 5th fifth or six, I believe. Okay. Yep. Now do do many people participate 
in bow season in New Hampshire? You know, they do. They do. Um, you know, I, I bow hunted for a bit. I, I love shooting a bow. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, but for me personally, I, I just can't sit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I can't. It drives me nuts, you know, so... Um, you know, I'll have a day or two of it, you know, I'll appreciate this, you know, September 15th, you've been waiting all summer to get in mm-hmm. the woods and you're like, Oh man, this is awesome sitting in the woods. And then after the first hour, I'm like, I need, I need to move. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, so, and you know, it's deer density too, you know, up yeah. where I am at least, you know, we don't have, you know, you're not going to sit in a tree stand and see, you know, 10, 15 deer go by, you know, I've, I've done it for a year. I've sat in the stand pretty consistently up North. Mm -hmm. I I only hunt public land. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, um, maybe, maybe one deer will come by. Wow. Whoa. Yeah. (laughs) You know, so it can be pretty frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. That that changes geographically. If you head, if you head down South, you know, Mm-hmm. Um, things get a little tighter, um, or you head like uh, western part of the state where there's some more farming, and there's some farming down down south too. But mm-hmm. um, up north, you know, in the White Mountains, it's it's a little bit tougher. So you know, it, what, it can get frustrating at times. And Brad, you know, I, I know this will probably come up. As- at some point, and I know you'll be chatting about like the different, you know, breakdown of the season, and whatnot. But what is what is a tip? Just curious because you're talking about the the density and and whatnot. What is a typical like? What do you get with your license? Like, how many tags would you typically get in your area with your license? So, your bow license, you can get a total of two deer. Okay. Uh, one one buck. And if you buy the extra tag uh, for your archery for a total of two, you'll get a, you'll get a doe. Okay. So, mm. Okay. Not saying and, you're going to fill the tag. Right. Right. But, yeah. but you have that opportunity. A rifle. Um, if you get one with your muzzle loader, that counts as your rifle tag. So you okay. only get, you only get one with a muzzle loader or a rifle. Okay. And it's, it's buck or doe. Uh, so no. Kinda. Uh, depending, we have White Mountain, or excuse me, uh, Wildlife Management Units (WMU). Yeah. And it's depending on that unit. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then there, wow. there is an extra. I think there is an extra uh, rifle tag or extra harvest tag for down south, and I believe it's Unit M, which is down by. Um, I think we're. Kent was saying his uh, in-laws live down like Concord, Manchester. But okay, it's somewhere down that area. I never, I never venture down south, um, and I'm not saying it's not good hunting down there. There's been some absolute huge monsters that have been shot down there. I mean, just beasts. But, okay. Um, the problem I have with down there is I can't really do what I need to do effectively you know, mm-hmm. tracking because you're going to run into posted property and yeah. All yeah. Kinds of stuff, so. yeah, yep. yeah. Yeah. You just mentioned that in here and I had that in my notes to talk about. So now that it's coming up, let's, let's hit it now. New Hampshire is unique. If I remember correctly with, uh, like trespassing laws, right. 
Um, mm-hmm. You technically don't have to have permission to hunt private ground that isn't posted. Isn't that correct? That, that is correct, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and so do people take advantage of that much in New Hampshire, or is it still? Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, they do? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, if it's a large parcel of land, you know, and a lot of times, you know, and I'm not saying it's right, but a lot of people just don't know what it is. They don't know whether it's, it's you know, private or public. You know, they just say, hey, it's not posted, so there's no houses right. around. I'm going to hunt it. Right, right. Yeah, no, that's, that, that's always, I've always wondered about that, you know, uh, to, to me, people are pretty tight with their private ground around here, which, you know, that's totally understandable for sure. And I imagine it's probably mm-hmm. the same way where, where you hunt Brandon, but, um, yeah. uh, I, I would just feel weird <laughs> just going yeah. on, to, just going, but that's the, that's the expectation. And I, and I, I think it's good to mention that because, when people plan out-of-state hunts there's major major law you know hunting regulation differences just by crossing Mm -hmm. the state border that and it and it totally changes the hunting culture too i think which is pretty cool Mm -hmm. so well absolutely no i mean you know if i'm hunting new hampshire i mean i've hunted that my whole life i just started up in vermont and maine but in those two states, the first thing I'm looking for is a, you know, like a, well, the first thing I'm looking for is national forest. Mm, yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's obviously open to everybody. Um, you know, and just White Mountain National Forest in itself is, you know, over 750,000 acres. Wow. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, that kind of brings me to my next point too. Just the the general landscape description of of New Hampshire is is so different than especially here in Iowa. You know, Iowa's Iowa is probably like a a percentage. Like if you broke down land forested land percentage, it's probably almost a an opposite of of um, New Hampshire. In fact, it might even be be worse than that. Um, but I have heard it said that New Hampshire is roughly ninety percent forested. Is that is that accurate? It sounds about right. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. That wow. Is, that is, and I mean, you you feel that when you're out there. There's just trees everywhere. Or oh, you can you can go forever. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I mean, we we've, we've got deer up here that have never seen people. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's crazy. I believe it. Wow. And but it wasn't always that way, right? Um, there's, in fact, uh, uh, one of the things I learned early on when I first started, uh, my wife and I first started dating and I first went out to New Hampshire to visit her family and stuff. Um, there's stone walls all over the place, at least, at least in their part of the state. I don't know. Maybe it wasn't this way up in, in the Northern part where you're at, but there's all these old, like really old stone walls. I mean, we're talking yep. a couple hundred years old. That's funny you say that, Kent, because I was up in Maine, um, little area where I hunt, uh, Maine that I found last year. I mean, at 2,200 feet, there's stone walls. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> That's so, incredible. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. They just, yeah. Crazy. I was like, uh, this is a, this is pretty interesting, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, oh, yeah. It was nuts. Yeah. Yeah. And, 
and yeah. correct me if I'm wrong here, but these stone walls were were essentially created as rock piles because uh, immigrants to the United States that were settling in New England, you know, they were bringing over their way of life and what they knew, which was for a lot of them farming, agriculture, and they were taking an area that was basically the opposite of a place where you wanted to <laughs> treat it as a <laughs> plow your field type of, a, you know, yeah. homestead place. And they insisted on having that. So they clear cut everything. And uh, then, of course, you know, New Hampshire being the granite state, they found very quickly that if you're going to run a plow through the dirt, you're going to hit a lot of rocks. So they would dig the rocks yeah. out of there. And, and you know, the, the, those rocks would frost heave and everything else. And so it was this constant yeah. battle of getting rocks out of your field and they'd stack them up in these walls. Now, did those walls serve some other function, you know, for farming? Like were they for livestock and stuff or is it just basically uh, a pile? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not. I'm not a farmer or anything like that, but you know, these are pretty intricate, intricate walls, you know, especially up there. And they were still pretty tight. I mean, they were probably, you know, I don't know, probably four feet high by, and this one was probably by four feet uh, wide. Wow. And That's I, huge. and I just remember looking, I'm like, who in the right mind would do this? Yeah. This is crazy. Right. They're fit. They're, they're yeah. Fit. yeah. I wouldn't want to mess with them. No. Yeah. There's some tough people. Yep. Tough. Yeah. And hard-headed, you know, insisting on still yeah, farming. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to farm persistent. no matter what. <laughs> yeah. Yep, Crazy. for sure. Well, uh, you kind of answered our, our other um, question here, too, which is there are some areas with agriculture in in uh, New Hampshire, which uh, I'm, I'm very interested in that, of course, from being, being from Iowa, where, you know, that's almost the entire landscape here. And... Um, We'll get into that probably a little bit more when I ask you uh, just the different styles people hunt in New Hampshire, but yeah. I am really interested to hear how that plays in. But uh, I know in Maine, uh, specifically kind of the, the north woods of Maine, which is probably one of the wildest places in North America, just as far as vast wilderness goes, which people wouldn't really think of that because Maine is such a small state. But uh, you get up you get up to the, the north woods area, it's just... just nuts how wild and untouched that wilderness is but there's a lot of logging roads i know up there does that factor into some of these national forests that you're you're hunting are there a lot of logging roads and stuff that kind of go all over the place up there yeah i mean there's old tote roads uh everywhere but they're really old and uh up in new hampshire they're they're pretty much grown in where where i am anyway the national forest i mean they're they are cutting i mean they're always cutting somewhere you know, sure. that's a great thing to keep track of, obviously. Um, um, but, you know, yeah, I mean, there are logging roads. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't say it's, there's no near, way near the logging operations that there are in Maine just because they have so much land. I mean, millions of acres. But, right. Right. Um, that's a good point. But they're definitely... Uh, they're definitely helpful to find when you're dragging one out way out. So. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. That's oh so, goodness. man. Yeah, yeah. You, you gotta. That's the number one thing I thought of once I heard of your style of hunting is how do you get this thing out of there? Yeah. Right. A lot of people think we're crazy for dragging them, dragging the whole deer out. You know. Yeah. Probably yeah, so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah man. Well, what is, it's, what it's a is tradition. It, what is yeah, I mean, what does a typical set look like? I mean, in terms of like that, you know, hunting the public land, are you typically 
way back in there or, or, you know, what does it look like? I mean, you know, obviously, you know, there's, there's major roads that cut through this, this public land, you know? So sure. if you're lucky enough to shoot one by one, yeah, you know, you're not, you're not too far from your truck, but, um, you know, I've been pretty fortunate. I haven't shot one so far out. I, I've <laughs> definitely shot one one time where I got him at like probably eight thirty, and I didn't come out till two thirty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I know my father's shot one way out there. You know, um, and it's just there's just some stories out there for sure. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but it's 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 definitely a workout. You want to have some really good friends. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, yeah, it, so. it can be an operation for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm usually sore for the next three days. I yeah, right, right. I believe <laughs> it. It's better than any workout you've ever had. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Yeah. yeah. Do Do you guys ever just say, you know what, forget it. We're gonna quarter them out and and pack them that way, or never have. I, I never have done that. Um, I know. Geez, I don't even think. You know, listening to Hal Blood up in Maine and, and those guys, they just, they get them out. You know, they, they rally up the troops, go in there and, and they're going to get them out one way or the other. So, wow. at the end of the day, you want to be able to put them on that scale and see if he's 200 pounds or more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's cool too. You know, you mentioned that, um, a lot of other States, the weight of a buck is an important thing, you know, um, in the Midwest, especially northern Midwest, get into like uh, um, Wisconsin, Michigan, Minnesota, you'll hear guys always talk about, oh, how many points was he? And I think every deer mm-hmm. hunter asks that question at some point, you know. Yeah. And, and that yeah. gets yeah. that gets asked here in Iowa for sure in Illinois. But in Iowa and Illinois, it's much more so, you know, how many inches of antler are we talking mm-hmm. here? You know, is that a, is that a, uh, one fifties class buck? Is that, you know, and the Holy oh, yeah. Grail, of course, is the 200 inch, uh, you know, buck. And then you go out West and it's like, Oh, he's a, he's a, uh, sometimes they'll say a five point buck. And what they mean mm-hmm. is it's a 10 point buck. It's just five, five by, by five. five, or, yeah. five, yeah. by five yeah. yeah. And so I think that's cool that I've, I've noticed that before that new England, the weight of the buck is, is a, uh, you know, that's a big deal. And I like that because I think it's much more descriptive of the animal than, than the rack size. You yeah. know, some of the, mm-hmm. some of the mm-hmm. biggest deer yeah. I've seen just, they don't have a great and rack. That, and that goes back to just, you know, back in the day and they shoot deer, you know, and how big the deer was. Well, that's how, you know, families needed deer, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, hey, right. that's a lot more meat, you know, why you only get one deer, go, go get the biggest one. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. That's a good point. But uh, they just started, um, you know, probably in the past, I don't know, 10 years or so. Um, they started scoring racks and so forth. I don't have the first-hand knowledge of that at all. I just go, wow, it's a nice rack and it's, it's a heavy deer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I – I I get into the inch the inch game a little bit not for myself because I don't I haven't shot a big enough buck to <laughs> put a tape That's to it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and you know of course living in a trophy whitetail state you know that that's a it's a big deal around here for for yep. people that that do that. But I I very much so when I you know 
I'm happy for anybody that gets any deer. And, oh, yeah. and, uh, I kind of go about it the same way of like, oh yeah, that's a nice big buck. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. But no, yeah, that's, that's the thing is if you, you get a deer up here, you know, especially up north and you're, and you're out tracking, you know, especially if you're just starting out and you just get one tracking. I mean, that's, that's a, that's a success right there. You know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Right. Yeah, and I'm I'm yeah. really looking forward to to hearing how that all goes down. Uh, real quick here, though, as we're kind of finishing painting our picture here of New Hampshire, um, the area where you're at, known as the White Mountains, is um, yep. the the probably the most famous part of the state. Even though there is some ocean front, kind of just a little corner of ocean front. And, of course, as we've talked about, you know, the huge, vast forest. But it's those white mountains. In fact, sometimes uh, New Hampshire is referred to as the White Mountain State instead of the Granite State. And uh, can you just kind of describe to us what the White Mountains are like? It's cold in the wintertime, really cold, a lot of snow. Um, You know, uh, my area where I live, um, I'm... Geez, I'm just down the road from Mount Washington. Okay, yeah. Everybody, oh, okay, yeah. Everybody yeah. pretty much knows Mount Washington, so yep. I, I literally mm-hmm. drive out my driveway and there's Mount Washington. Yeah, That's so. cool. That's mm-hmm. really cool. Yeah, yeah. It's it's very pretty. So, and you know, obviously the presidential range is all around me, um, and um, so we, and especially in Twin, it tends to be like a little snow belt. So if we get snow, we're going to get hammered with snow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, just like I said, this year's a little odd, but, you know, um, last year, last year was actually funny because I went to Maine to hunt and it was early and we didn't have any snow in Maine and I was up towards, uh, Allagash. Okay. Um, yeah. and there was, there was no snow. And then we heard that we got dumped in, in New Hampshire. So I went, we left a day early. I head back to um, to New Hampshire, get my muzzleloader tag, and I was fortunate enough to to get a nice buck the next day. Wow, nice! So, That's pretty cool. Yeah, but yeah, I was fortunate. But I mean, it's just it's just that. But there wasn't a lot of snow around us in New yeah. Hampshire. It was just that little area, you know, a couple spots up north, like in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Well, that, yep. that's kind of consistent with uh, kind of a, a local phrase that I've yeah. heard before. If you don't like the weather in New Hampshire, wait five minutes. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah it changes. It changes. You know, it's it's a cold humidity. It's just, it, it's really, it's, it's an austere environment, you know. Yeah. You have to be prepared at all times. You know, I, it's, uh. But I, w- I wouldn't trade it in for anything, you know. It's that's the way I like that area. I mean, it's very mountainous. Sure. Um, you know, I've, I've had deer take me up twenty hundred feet. You know. Yeah. Um, and back down and back up again. I've been up one one mountain probably two and a half times. So. Yeah, that's awesome. But, but it's it is fun. It's a lot of work, but it's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. New Hampshire is an excellent, uh, excellent place to visit if you've never been there, and hopefully you're, uh, um, you know, hearing this podcast and and uh, if you've never been there, you're like, hmm, sounds like a good place to check out. It is. It's 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 a beautiful state. Um, uh, a, a lot. 
you know, what's interesting is a lot of times when you see those, and I'll admit they're super subjective, but you see those like rankings of the U.S. states, where's the best state to live or whatever. Almost every time you see one of those come out, uh, Mm -hmm. New Hampshire's in like the, at least the top 10, but a lot of times even the the top five and, and, uh, you know, a little shout out for the Hawkeye state. We're usually up there too. So I don't know about Delaware. Most, I I don't think that those lists actually know that Delaware is a state. Yeah. Most most people, (laughs) yeah. Most of them just think Delaware is, you know, the capital of a state. So it's, it's fine. We'll rule Delaware out. (laughs) I'm just, I'm just messing, but yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a great place. And, uh, there's a lot of cool wildlife there too. Not just, uh, not just, uh, cool mountain bucks. There's, uh, uh, moose and um i would even say it's a sleeper turkey state i see so many gobblers in new hampshire when i visit there it's like man i don't this... know what you're talking about ken i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> <laughs> don't let us don't let the, the yeah, trick that, out of the bag man. that's right <laughs> that's right that's right <laughs> no, no we do we do we have some we have some great turkey hunting you know um yeah, I love turkey hunting. I can't wait. Now the deer season's over, you know, I'm sad to see it go. I, I cannot wait for to get a tom down. So, yep. Nice. Yeah. I've, I, I would even go as far as to say I've seen more turkeys in New Hampshire than I have anywhere else. And so it's, yep. it's, uh, that's awesome. Pretty impressive there. Well, let's go ahead and start diving into this. We've, we've kind of been, been, uh, talking around it a little bit here, but, how does somebody go about hunting in New Hampshire with this really unique, super diverse landscape? You know, the mountains to the north, you got the the seacoast and that, that kind of in the southeast, and uh, then you know the little bit of ag country. It sounds like I'm not too familiar with that area, but I do know there's also yeah. the huge vast forest. So, how does yeah. uh, what's the best way to hunt in New Hampshire for deer? So, I can I can only talk the way I hunt, uh, Ken. So sure. um, when it comes to, you know, tracking, like I told you, if you head down south, I'm not saying you can't, I'm just saying that you're going to run into some posted property. Sure. You know? mm-hmm. um, and you're going to have a little smaller parcels. Sure. Again, you can, you can do it, I guess, but I just, I wouldn't personally waste my time with it, putting all that work into it. And yeah. then you're bumping into a posted property or you shoot one and it goes on the posted property and it's just, yeah. a, it's a headache. Yeah. So the way, the way I do it, you know, again, I look for public land. I look for large parcels, you know, and then if, especially if it's an area I haven't hunted in, I'm looking at topographical maps. It kind of goes back to my, um, you know, when I was in the military, you know, we did a lot of land navigation, especially in ranger school. And we're just looking at, you know, terrain features. You know, and, and my, my, the way I grew up hunting, you know, and the way my father showed me, you know, you just look for certain terrain features. I will not hunt an area if it, if it has, if it does not have a bog or a swamp. Oh, really? That's interesting. interesting. Yeah. I won't won't even bother with it. You know, you gotta have, you gotta have, for me anyway, I feel in my experience, you know, the, the big bucks, they, they like that little bog or swamp to yeah. hide in, you know? Yeah. Okay. Um, it's, a, it's an escape route from, you know, from most of the time it's coyotes. We're only out there for just a portion of the year, you know, mm-hmm. but they can, yeah. they can go into that bog and swamp and just disappear. Yeah. So, now, when you know, you, other things when, I'm looking when, for is speed. Okay. So. Now, can I, I, I'm going to stop here for a second. Cause I, 
I want to know what this bog is like here. So is this kind of like, you know, the quintessential, you know, moose bog where there's lily pads and reeds and everything else? Or is this, Uh, is this more like just kind of a really wet, muddy area? I would say more of a little wet, muddy area. You know, there's maybe a little bit of that, that little water, you know? Sure. Um, But, you know, it doesn't have to be big. It just has to be this little, little hole you know, mm-hmm. that they like to go. It's a little sanctuary. It doesn't have to be big, you know, and they'll just go and, and tuck away there, you know, um, yeah. if the weather's really bad, you know, that those, that spruce, you know, that will keep the snow out, you know, to a degree and they'll go down in there and they'll bed in there, you know, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. And they also yard up in there okay. know, after the season's done. So, but you know, other things I look for, you know, obviously your feed now, Brian, usually I don't have a lot of oak, so we have beech nuts, beech trees. Sure. So, and that's only, you know, you got to keep track of that because, you know, the beech nuts are only like every other year. Okay, yeah. It's not like, it's not like oak. You know, I go to I go to Maine, and it's it's, it's crazy. It's like oak everywhere. You know, it's like mm-hmm. seven on marbles. <laughs> but, but yeah, the beech nuts, you got to keep track of that. You know. Um, you know, the new cuts, like we were talking a little bit before, you know, do I keep track of, you know, logging operations and so forth? Yep. Yeah. To a degree, you know? Yeah. So they like that two, two, three-year-old growth. And they, we call them browse, you know? Yeah. They have like a raspberry bush and they, mm-hmm. they go in there and they, they nip away. So you just keep track of that. But I gotta, I gotta have, you know, look, that feed, obviously. I gotta have some sort of, you know, swamp or bog. You know, and there's got to be a little bit of a hilltop too. Doesn't have to be huge. You know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not looking to go up 2,800 feet. Not right, at all. Mm-hmm, you know? Right, right. Yeah, you, yeah. You want to, you want to hunt smart too. You know? <laughs> so, uh, you know, there's, there's no shame with staying low if you, if you, if you have to. But you know, they will, they will go up on those mountain tops, those little softwood ridges and so forth, and, and hide away too. You know, so. Sure. Yep. Well, that's that's really helpful insight there because when you're looking at an area that is so vast, like those forests you're talking about, <laughs> you need something mm-hmm. that's going to significantly cut down the the map. You know, just to yeah. yep. just to know where to begin. And the other thing you're doing too is if you if you're putting yourself out there a little further away, you know, you're, you're getting away from people. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Well, I was going to ask you too on that, Brad, like just in terms of like that, that feel of like pressure from other hunters and whatnot, is is there a fair amount of that, you know, depending on the time of the season or is it, or these areas kind of so vast that you don't, you don't feel as much of that? Um, you know, so I've seen, you know, I'll park my truck, you know, maybe off a major route and go way up, you know, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I could see a truck here, a truck there whatever. But usually, you know, these guys, you know, they're not going to go far off the road, you know. Yeah. yeah. Your, your typical hunter, uh, you know, you, you kind of run into, you don't run into too many kind of quote-unquote hardcore hunter, or, you know. Mm-hmm. Sure. They just go in, and, and that's not a problem. You know, they're going in, they're enjoying the woods, they're just out, you know, and it's relaxing. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and that's all part of it, too, you know. Yeah. Yep. But, you know, you just, you know, you stretch out a little bit and you go back 
you know, and maybe you want to go back. Hey, that soft top, I mean, that uh, soft wood ridge way up there, that looks pretty good. I bet that's hiding something up there, you know, and there's a little bog kind of near that. And you go up there, and now you're going to start spreading yourself out away from all these harms, you know. Mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. So, and that's where you want to go. You know, is it more work? It absolutely is. But, you yeah. know, that's maybe with that big boy's hanging out, too. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's a good point. Man. And especially, you know, that swamp. Now, it may not be way up high, but I tell you what, man, I wish I would have got that buck I got last year on, uh, on film because I shot him probably five yards away in a swamp. Wow. Mm. It, was, it was up close and personal. Yeah. It was crazy. Wow. Oh, it was crazy. And you've got, you have, that's the thing. When you hunt those swamps, you absolutely have to keep your head on a swivel, you know? And, and if you're in a sweet spot and you know it, maybe you've done some scouting in there. And you got perfect conditions, you know, the snow's, you know, nice soft four, four inches, you know, kind yeah. of sticky. I call it that, that kind of snowman snow, you know? Yeah. And you just, you're walking like a ninja through there, you know, but <laughs> you, you, you cannot keep your head on that track the whole time. At, like just keep it enough for, yep, that's him. And you're just, you're looking around and you're just going around like a ninja, you know, and you got to keep all your senses, your sense of smell. I mean, just like this one this year and in the one in New Hampshire last year, you could smell them, you know? Yeah, I believe wow. that. Yep, and then you could you got to hear that little footstep, you know, and that's what that's what I, last year, you know, I, I, I smelled them, and then I was like, I just heard that one step, and I just froze, you know? Yeah. But, so you got to keep your head in a swivel. Yeah, that's, we, I think it was, and actually, Brandon, I don't think you were here for this episode. I think Jake co-hosted it with me, but we talked to a guy who uh, has spent much of his life hunting out West, hunting mule deer and and elk. And um, he's, he also now lives in, he he has like a summer home in, in Montana and he does fall hunting seasons out there, but, but um, he also hunts in Michigan quite a bit and he's kind of describing that method which is kind of strange to people in michigan i think uh as far as you know you know there people i think most folks in michigan hunt much more like you and i do brandon tree stand type thing ambush style Mm -hmm. but he was Mm -hmm. taking that method there kind of that that uh brad's talking about which is i believe the the term for it is still hunting which is kind of an old-fashioned term and and most people confuse still hunting with what brandon and i do in a tree stand and but but still hunting is very much so what what brad's describing where you're keeping your total wits about you while you're moving very cautiously and Mm -hmm. and keeping your eyes peeled and i'm glad you brought that up brad because on uh, brad's youtube channel which we're going to tell you before the end of the episode here how to find it um, i noticed that you guys had a video on there where you were doing some shooting practice with uh basically running a uh what was it like a plywood target on a, yeah. on a rope? Oh, boy. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, that thing That's was cool. And it was going the speed, about the speed of a deer running through the woods. I mean, they, wow. they had that thing rigged up yeah. slick. And yeah. I, I think it's really important to bring that up because you always hear all the time, oh, you should never, you should never shoot a deer on the run or whatever. Well, maybe so in Iowa where you can see a deer coming from a quarter mile away sometimes. Yeah. But, yeah. 
that's just not practical in some places and some places you got to learn I mean, you got to be practiced. You got to know your limits. Kind of like, you know, an archery hunter shouldn't be taking 50 yard shots if they're only good at 15 yard shots. But, um, that's kind of what you guys have to do there. Right. I mean, just because things happen so fast. Yeah. I mean, we, we still want to take, you know, we, we respect the animals. So we want to put that, we want to put that deer down as quickly and humane Mm. as possible. At the same time, you're you're not going to get one if you don't, if you don't shoot, you yeah. know, and I, I, you know, in, in that video, you'll see my, uh, my middle guy, Alden, you know, and that was his first time with a 30 odd six. We used 7,600s, okay. you know, Remington 7,600s, you know, sure. it's a pump and we'll get into more of that in a bit, but you know, um, you know, you, you got to take that shot and you may take the follow-up shot. And, you know, I tell Alden, my father always told me you, you shoot till he's down, you know? Yeah. 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 You're not. You know, some people be like, "Oh, you're gonna ruin all the meat." Well, you're not gonna have any meat if you don't shoot them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Good point. You know, Good point. You know, and it's it's hard to be successful up here if you, if you don't know how to take a running shot. Yeah, you know, so. yeah. And there's a lot of argument with that. I know it. I know he could have some losers right now. No way. You know, that's unethical. But that's the way it is up here. You know. Yep. If you're going to be successful, you, you, and you, you have to practice, you know, you're not doing yourself any justice. Yeah. You know, if you're going out there and you're putting miles on, you're trudging around and you don't know how to shoot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Well, and I think that's the key difference there, you know, as far as the ethics of, of what you're doing go, it, we, I have never practiced that in, cause I would, you know, that's just not, not something that i need to do here in iowa you know it's a lot easier to get a get a you know clean shot on an animal from over 100 yards away and then not even knowing i'm there you know and so Mm -hmm. i don't need to practice that but you guys do have to do that and the fact that you are practicing and and listeners go check out their channel and uh watch that video and they are proficient with it they're good at it they they put the they put the time in and and uh they're lethal hunting in that way and so i think it's i think it's important to to bring that up for the reasons that you mentioned that it does yeah cause you some headaches i'm sure perspective too uh brandon you know it's uh you're seldomly going to get a shot over 100 yards yeah right yeah yeah Well, you can't um, even you, you know, can't even see a hundred yards in a lot of places in New yeah. Hampshire. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, take a, and I know it's a it's a GoPro, but you take a video of that that deer I shot this year. You can't even see him. You're like, what's he shooting at? Yeah, right. You know? Yeah, that, that right. muzzleloader one. Yeah, so it, it's that sick, you know. And um, geez, I want to say last year, like I said, it was like a five yard shot, and then in Maine. That's the furthest I've ever shot a deer, and it was a little over a hundred. And that was because mm-hmm. it was open, open hardwood. There's some oak in there, mm-hmm. and I was surprised myself that it was even that open. Yeah, but um, yeah, you know, it's you, you seldomly get that. I, I want to say, you know, on average, it's you know, no more than you know, seventy-five yards where we hunt. You know, maybe less yeah. than that. So yeah, I believe yeah. it. Well, it's just a good reminder to to people that, you know, many times you can, you know, judge, you know, someone, you know, for their tactics, but, you know, you're not literally not walked a mile in their shoes in terms of where they're hunting and, and, you know, being able to to adapt, 
You know, it's no different than, you know, a guy who wants to, you know, who typically hunts the East Coast and then, you know, wants to go out to Colorado to do an elk hunt. I mean, you you have to adapt. If you're just going to do things the same old way you've always done things, you're not, you're really going to have success. So, I mean, it's important to be able to adapt. So, I mean, it's, it's cool to hear about different tactics like this, you know, to be exposed to it. Yeah. No, absolutely. You know, and and I give credit to the guys that can sit in a tree stand, you know, <laughs> I can't, you know, yeah. I really do. It's, it's like, Hey, if you can sit in a stand, you know, for nine hours a day, 10 hours a day, then kudos to you. You know, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. I think I mean, that's, we're, we're, that's a good point to make. That's the other thing too. We're, we're out in the woods from the, the time the sun comes up, even, you know, before that we could be driving around you know, on some of these logging roads and so forth, just cutting track it. Probably, you know, if it's fresh snow, you know, four thirty yeah. in the morning, getting that fresh track and then waiting on it until the sun comes up. Mm-hmm. And then we don't come out we don't come out of the woods until the sun goes down. Yeah. So there's no yeah. coming out for lunch. You know, I pack I pack my little bit of lunch, you know, I have a little survival kit in case I have to stay yeah. out with the deer. If I shoot one way back, I'm not gonna yep. leave them for the coyotes. You mm-hmm. know? Yep. Right. Yep. So well, you, yep. you just mentioned something there that I, I definitely want to talk about because I think this this is kind of the keystone for the whole thing here, which is you, you just mentioned when you cut that first track. And I think yep. that that's probably, uh, and I, I don't even think that this just applies to, um, uh, you know, hunting big woods like what you're doing. I think it could apply to somebody hunting in Delaware or somebody hunting in Iowa. And you're trying to figure out how recently a deer has been here. Um, maybe even you're following a blood trail and you're trying to figure out, are these fresh tracks? Are these, you know, all littered in with week old tracks? You know, how do you do that? How do you get that on that first track? And how do you know, do you have a way of like telling and of course this gets into muddy water here because some people say there's no way you can tell the difference between a buck track and a doe track or whatever but how how do you how do you know (laughs) that this is a deer that's worth going after there's there's a lot to it first of all and it it does it it takes practice that's the best way i can tell you i mean i've been i've been following behind my father's footsteps since you know i was probably eight ten years old you know sure and I just, I just like to go with them, you know, I yeah. you know, I was really young and I didn't even have a gun with me and I just like wanted to go with them, you know, That's mm-hmm. awesome. and yeah. it takes, it takes a lot of practice, you know, and, and you're going to fail a lot of times, you know, when you first start now and you still do, you know, you, you learn, I learn from every track I take to this day. Hmm. So, you know, so, I mean, there's a lot to it. There's, it's weather dependent, you know, mm-hmm. is it cold? Is it warm? You know, did it snow? Did it? You know, is it, is it snowing now? You know, so you're, you're looking for those jagged edges, you know, if it, it, that track, you just laid that track down, you know, you're looking for about, so I got a 35 whaling. All right. That I hunt with. Mm-hmm. Um, so I take that cartridge, you know, and the length is great. Okay. Of the track, but we look more at the width. Okay. You know? mm-hmm. And my 35 whaling cartridge, I believe, is like three and a quarter inches long. Okay. And if and I put it to the dew claws of that track, all right. And if it's it's that if it's that cartridge or even bigger, then that is a keeper. Okay. You know? Yeah. Now I don't want to go after one that's you know a day old, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. 
I'm looking for, you know, what, what are the conditions right now, you know? But I'm looking for that that crispness to the edge, you know? And then, sure. you know, the best thing to do in your first start now is put your foot down right next to the track. And what is what is your fresh track look like compared to that mm, track? That's a great tip. Right. Yeah. You that's know? a money tip right there. Yep. You know, and, and then think about the weather. Now, let's say, you know, maybe you didn't cut a track in the very beginning of the morning, you know? So you're, and that's the other thing too, okay? So in the National Forest, you just can't get on your four-wheeler you may not right. be able to ride that logging road, you know, um, you have to put, you have to put miles in maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. and, and a lot of times, you know, where it just snows, you know, um, let's say it, it, it's hunting season right now and it's just coming down right now. The next day may not be the greatest because they're going to be bedded up. Yeah. But the yeah. day after that, they're going to be moving. You know? So you, you just, you got to get out there. You got to, then you got to put your miles on, you know? Yeah. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden you, you cut a track at, let's say noontime, right? Well, sure. you've only got, you know, four, five hours till it gets dark. You know, actually probably four hours, you know, when you're late in the season. Yeah. Yeah. So now you really want to, you know, Hey, you really can't take that track. That's, you know, five hours old. Like you may have been able to in the very beginning of the morning. So you need a track that is smoking hot. Yeah. So you're looking for that track that looks just like your boot track, nice and crisp, you know? Yeah, that's a great tip. That's a really good tip. Yep. Buck and doe. That's the other difference. So you're looking for that kind of, that kind of splayed track, you know? I mean, think about, where did I hear I forgot where I heard it, whether it was either, um, I think it was probably the Benoits. They're kind of, they're legendary up here, you know, they're okay. definitely mm-hmm. an inspiration. So I've read all their books, you know, you and my old man have, you know, it's, I don't think anybody in the Northeast that hasn't heard of the Benoits, I, I don't know if they're a deer hunter, but everybody's heard of them, you know, and I think, you know, the best way to explain it is, you know, a man and a woman tend to walk differently, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're all made up differently. You know, if you're, if you're a wide body guy, you tend to walk a little, you know, what, you know, with your feet out or whatever, you know, right. Yeah. And that's kind of the same thing. Right. Yeah. So that nice buck, you know, he's going to walk with his of course. We're always looking at their rear feet. Right. Yeah. 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 So, so we're looking for that buck. that's kind of that nice three and a quarter or wider track, you know, those dew claws really pronounced, you know, a flat footer or, you know, or even a toe dragger is really nice. And they're kind okay. of walled out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We're working for that, you know, whether it's the stack track, if you will, that's going to be more of a doe. It's going to be small, you know, maybe those dew claws are going to show, but it's not as heavy. It's not a flat footer, you know? Sure. Um, so I mean, there's more to it than that, but you, you can really tell it's very distinct and you, you know, you're, you're looking for tracks and you're like, not that one, not that one. You're like, Oh, that's the one right there. <laughs> Man, that is crazy. That I mean, that is yeah. so helpful. Uh, I mean, that's that's something that's something that helps me here in Iowa. Just you know, like I said, blood tracking. You know, you get you, yeah. you get a hit on something, you got to follow the trail, and sometimes you just see all these tracks when there's not a lot of blood, yeah. and you're like, well, "Is this really him?" Well, mm-hmm. yeah, man, well, that's other, that's great. The other thing we look for too is you you got to pay attention when they're feeding and how they're feeding. You know, if there's snow. You know, if you're lucky enough and you have snow, you know, when they're feeding, 
are their antler marks and the outside of their, their nose mark for their feeding, you know, mm-hmm. wow. when they're, when they're walking, when they're walking into brush, you know, is sure. it tight brush? Are they, are they knocking the snow off that brush with their antlers? You know? Man, that is, that are is they, some attention to detail. Oh man. Yeah. Are they, yeah. are they going around that tight brush? You know, if they're going around that tight brush, you see other deer going through it, but that, this one with a bigger track, he's going around it. Well, that's a, that's probably, that's probably a buck, you know? Yeah. So. Man, that is. And then you, and then when you're tracking, you got to keep track of when they're feeding, you know, cause when they're feeding, what they got to do, they got to bed. Yeah. You know? Yep. Well, it's, I mean, it's like you talk about adapting, like, you know, for, for those of us like, you know, counter myself, you know, where deer density is a lot higher, you know, we're, we focus less on some of these things, but, you know, you look at some hunters that maybe in the Northeast that don't get the opportunities, but they may be a whole lot smarter and wiser of a deer hunter than, than those of us who, you know, kind of just take certain things for granted. So, I mean, it's, it's really cool to hear this perspective. No, it's it's just you know like I think you, you guys said it already. It's just gotta, you got to adapt to different areas. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, definitely. And we, we we don't up where I am. I don't have the the luxury of sitting in a stand and you know and yeah, you, know, you watch these hunting shows and so forth. And you're like, oh, no, he's he's too young. He's like a three and a half, four and a half. You know, he's, <laughs> he just doesn't have. Yeah. He's a young. Yeah. He's a young, he's a young twelve pointer. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'll tell you right. what. Yeah. That's, that doesn't happen up here, so right. Yeah, right, right. right. <laughs> I passed up a I passed up a ten pointer two years ago, mm-hmm. and it's legit. I tell this I've told this story before, and people are like, "You nuts!" No, it was it was a young. I mean, it was one hundred and fifty pounds. You know, he was a sure. tight tight basket rack. You know, not not a lot of mass. I told mm-hmm. my father that, and if I was younger, I probably would have got a lashing. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was funny. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, you know it's 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 seldom. I mean, we, you know, if you, I mean, I have passed up, you know, I pass up spike corn and so forth because you know, I'm I'm looking for that big guy anyway. Yeah, you know? right. Yeah. No, that's that's those are such useful tips and and um, honestly. I, I, I'm going to try using some of those when I'm shed hunting, uh, yeah, because right. I mean, that's, that's so, yeah. that's so much of it is, am I just fa- wasting my time following doe tracks here or where are the bucks? You know, you're, you're trying to look at old sign all the time and that's a, those are some excellent, excellent tips there. Well, uh, I know you got to get going here pretty quick for uh, work, but, um, just kind of want to hit here, uh, on a couple, a couple other points. Um, I assume the method you're using here in New Hampshire, when you do go to, you mentioned you've started hunting in Vermont and Maine. Are you pretty much using the, the same method of, okay, where's the, you know, where's my large, vast public area. Now I need to find my swamp or boggy area. Now I need that. Okay. And then, and then, as soon as you've identified those areas, I imagine through e scouting like Onyx or Hunt Stand or Huntwise or whatever, and uh, probably a little, a lot of Google Earth and things like that, and topo maps and mm-hmm. and whatnot. But um, then, is it just a matter of okay, we're driving to the area, all right, we're here now, we're looking for a track. Is that is that kind of the method then to get started? You know, and that's if you're lucky if there's snow. 
Okay. Yeah. You know? Yep. So that's, that's, that's a, a huge problem, you know, so then you're looking for feed, you're looking for a large parcel and you're looking more at terrain features, you know? So, sure. you know, it could, you go in and you scout it and you see no sign, you know, and sure. you're like, oh, well, I've scouted this pretty good. There's nothing going on, you know, not saying there's no deer in there, but let's move on to the next little spot that you kind of, you know, little topographical recon, you know, sure. let's go to that spot. Okay. This spot's good. Now let's, start doing some circles, you know, and kind of expanding your territory and seeing where the spots are, you know, looking yeah. for those signpost rubs, those rubs, you know. Um, so, yeah. And that's another thing, you know, I love finding signpost rubs, you know. Those are going to get hit by deer year after year. Even though, you know, a deer dies, those other bucks are going to keep hammering it, so. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Now, it kind of talking about this activity here of rubs and things like that, you know, that pre, that pre rut activity here in, mm-hmm. uh, in Iowa. And I know where, where Brandon's at in Delaware, the rut is just like, I mean, that is for most hunters. Some people don't like the rut because it's too random for them, but, uh, most hunters just drool over the, I mean, that's when they're planning their time off from work is during the, the rut. Is it that way yep. when you're hunting the way you are? Like, it, there's just so many more, you know, there's so many more bucks that are available to track and find, or does it really not change things that much for you? It It's nice, you know. It's nice seeing that rut activity. It really pumps you up, you know. Sure. And you see those, you know, those trees getting thrashed, you know, and, and what whatnot. Sure. But it doesn't it doesn't really change up my tactic, you know. I'm going to hunt the same way, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously when that rut's happening, you know, you, you want to pay attention to where the does are, right? So, yeah. I mean, your average buck in, you know, up where I am, it has an area of like 10 square miles. Wow. But, yeah. Yeah. That's unbelievable. Yeah, we don't have the density, you know. So yeah, those those bucks could they might not be there all year, but those does are. But then they come in, you know. They're sure, you know, not the most loyal. <laughs> 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 so they go, they go, and they they search them out. They find them, you know, and then they're gone, you know. So, yeah, yeah. Well, that's interesting. But, that's. So because of that, then, you know, we talk about this here in the Midwest and and imagine it's the same thing again in Delaware. If there's an area where that there's, you know, here, if there's just so many does, even though we do have a high, much higher buck density here, you won't find a lot of rubs and you won't see a lot of bucks fighting because they don't have to. You know, there's always a hot doe, it seems, during the peak mm-hmm. rut that everybody's got, everybody's got a doe mm-hmm. to tend. Mm-hmm. because the bucks are so spread out in New Hampshire, does that same thing yeah. kind of happen where the, the bucks really aren't fighting that much or is it, oh, no. be, they, they go pretty crazy. Uh, you know, the way I look at it is, I, th- I think it's almost like they're, I don't want to say they're fighting more, but what I've seen is I think, you know, I mean, bucks that I've always got their, their beat, you know, torn ears, maybe, you know, I've seen other people get them with, you know, they're, they're blind in one eye, you know, mm, yeah. they got mm-hmm. gouges all over their neck, you know? Yeah. Um, in fact, two years ago, I came up on a, it was an old trail 
and probably for 30 yards, the whole trail, it was a little bit of snow and it was just torn up blood everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I could actually track one of those bucks, the loser. <laughs> and I was able, able to track that buck based off the blood trail that he was leaving from getting beat up by the other. Buck. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I never connected with him. But man, yeah. what a story that would have been, huh? Yeah. Yeah, yeah for really. sure. Uh, but, another good yeah, tactic. No, they, they do. Now I've never, I've never rattled one in or anything like that, but mm. I definitely, I definitely feel that the grunt while still hunting has been highly effective. Okay. Nice. Does it kind of yep. put, does it kind of put the deer at ease just with you crunching around in the snow and stuff like that or? Yeah. You know, like, so like in that video, especially in still hunting, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, you got to play the wind. You certainly got to play the wind you know, when you're still hunting, sure. you know, but, uh, yeah, if you're crunching around, if I make a mistake and I break a twig, you mm-hmm. know, I'll, yep. throw, I'll throw a grunt out there to kind of, you know, mm-hmm. hey, it's just enough, chill, chill out. It's just another buck, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, but I truly feel, you know, the, the deer last, well, the last three deer that I've shot have been reactive to the, to the grunt call. That's, so, that's yep. very, that's very interesting. Yep. And in fact, in that video this year, um, it's a little louder. The go, that's the only thing with GoPro. It, 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 it's got a great mic on it, you know, it, but it amplifies the noise a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Cause, cause just before I shot that deer, it was actually not bad in there. Sure. And you hear just before I pull my hammer back, you can hear, uh, just a footstep and that was the deer. Huh. Mm. Yep. So. And that's how it went down, but yep. That's, that's really cool. That's really cool. Well, uh, Brad, man, there's so many, there's so many questions I want to, we need to have you back on just cause <laughs> this is, this is so interesting. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it it's, 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 it's my, yeah, it's mind blowing. I mean, just how different people hunt. Um, you know, one real quick last question here. Do people in the southern and western part of the state, do you know, uh, I know you've mentioned you haven't really spent much time down there, but do they do a lot of tree stand hunting down there? Uh, you know, more of the ambush hunting? They okay. Yep. And then yep. and do they then, I imagine, plant food plots and that kind of thing to pull yep. deer yep. in Some predictably? Property, yep. Okay. Okay. We have some larger farms down, you know, below the notch, you know, so, um, you know, they'll, they'll use that and so forth. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, but there's, there are plenty of tree, tree stand on there still, you know, but mm-hmm. yeah. 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 I imagine. So yeah. Do some people in the big woods areas, maybe this isn't even legal in, um, in New Hampshire, but do some people do deer drives? to to try and or are the deer just so spread out that that wouldn't even be a a, a tactic uh, that they'd use i would say that they probably do some deer drives i think in new hampshire a deer drive is a max of five people okay mm-hmm. yeah so i don't do it personally right you know i i don't know maybe i'm just selfish i don't like pushing deer to other people <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to bring them into my area, certainly. Right. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
Yeah. I like to keep it a secret, like the Da Vinci Code, you know. So yeah. I, just, I don't want everybody knowing. <laughs> yeah. No. Hey, if, if they want, if they want to push deer on, uh, over to you, that's fine. You know, no need Absolutely. to do it to them. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. That's right. So, but they do, yeah, they do do it. I mean, that's why we have laws and, uh, you know, you look up fishing game law and they talk about deer drives and mm-hmm. talk about, mm-hmm. I think it's no more than sure. five people, including yourself or six. I don't know. I don't worry about it. So. Right. But yeah. They do it. Yeah. Yeah. They do it. Especially probably in those smaller parcels, you know, like, like down South, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. Just, imagine so. I imagine they flank each side of the property and they, you know, help each other out. Yeah. Yeah, imagine so. Well, this is this has been uh, tremendous here, um, man. So much to take in. How can people find White Mountain Buck Trackers? What's the best way to look you guys up? So we have um, we have Instagram. We have the uh, at uh, White Mountain Buck Trackers. Basically, there's some underscores there. It's like White underscore MTN underscore Buck underscore Trackers. Okay. Um, we have Facebook, and um, we're we're pretty new at it, but we just we just started to get into it just because it's just fun. It's fun sharing what we do, yeah, yeah, yeah. stories from other people, you know, like mm-hmm. you guys, and and uh, that's how it really started. You know, we just we're having so much fun doing it that we made a I don't know I think we we made a patch, you know, and then they're like, oh, people are just like, oh, that's a really cool patch, you know, and just, just we went on to shirts, and we'll we'll be actually having our a legit business uh, come February. We'll have a shop now button on our Facebook and Instagram. Awesome. We'll be able to, nice. We're gonna sell some hats, some sweatshirts. Um, so, yep. Very cool. Yeah, that's where you'd find us. Yeah. Very yeah. Cool. Awesome. And and as I've mentioned, and Brad mentioned a little bit too, a YouTube channel. Please uh, check that out. Subscribe to that. That helps them out a lot, and um, yeah, and helps. Uh, spread the word you know share it with your share it with your friends i know uh i definitely plan to do so i'm definitely going to pass the word on to uh um my father-in-law who i i hope to uh go hunting with sometime in new hampshire but yeah this is this is uh such great information now uh one last uh question i have for you this one's totally selfish how does somebody (laughs) how does somebody find sheds in new hampshire (laughs) well you know it's just kind of like uh it's it's just kind of like how we hunt, you know, you got to find those areas, you know, um, if you can find out where, you know, they're yarding up, that's, that's prime. You, you scoop them up, huh? So you gotta, yep. you gotta locate, gotta locate the bogs and, uh, yeah. and start searching yep, the bogs. I mean, we have, we have no rules against feeding either, feeding deer. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, some places do, I think, I don't know, but. We don't have that. So, you know, some people will feed them, you know, especially up north. And I, I think I, I'm not big into the science of it, but I have heard, you know, if, if people do it the right way, you know, it's, it's fine, you know, so mm-hmm. right. people, yep. people will get, people will get sheds that way. They'll just drop in their yard. You know, I know yeah. there's like a big yard, deer yard, like in Rangeley, Maine, up in that area, you know, you always see pictures coming out of there and stuff, you know? Yeah, so, sure. That's uh, that's yeah. something I've always wondered about. We certainly, I certainly have a bunch of buddies that, sheds you know and moose sheds and so forth uh, yeah yeah that sounds awesome we're well i need to i need to go up there and do some shed hunting sometime while i'm visiting absolutely (laughs) that'd be be a lot of fun but well uh please everyone check out brad and his team again at white mountain 
buck trackers. I will definitely share those links in the show notes uh, so that I everyone can uh, can find can find Brad and his team. And uh, please also make sure you check out thehuntfishlife.com. That's where Brandon and his uh, team at Hunt Fish Life uh, can be interacted with, either through Instagram, Facebook, or their website. And uh, they also have a shop. Make sure you uh, maybe get yourself a nice uh, White Mountain Buck Trackers hoodie with that uh, blaze orange Hunt Fish Life cap on top there you go there you go yeah i like it yeah Yeah. that'd be good that'd be good little uh little uh post christmas treat yourself hey you know shout out to the east coast up and down so hey it's that's right that's right that's right (laughs) anyways be sure to head over to firstgenhunter.com please interact with me on facebook instagram go wild and uh, also check out my youtube channel and if you have not yet please subscribe to this podcast leave your reviews and uh, share around with uh, fellow hunters that that you know and we are so thankful that you tuned in uh, big thank you to brad and brandon for giving up your time and uh, thank you until next time first gen nation take care and take someone hunting